John 15, verse 26. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, When the counsellor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word to us. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit. Uh, and Father, we, we pray that as we think about uh, the work of the Spirit this morning, that you would uh, open our eyes to see the glory of Christ and to see uh, our need of the Spirit. Uh, And Lord, we pray that you would equip us by your Spirit uh, for the ministry that you have appointed us to as your people. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, there's nothing worse, uh, I think, than being asked to do a job that you haven't been trained for uh, or to do a job that you haven't been given uh, the right tools for, you know, like when someone asks you to sweep a floor or something like that, but they, then they, don't, they don't give you a broom and you're, sort of, you're looking around, you're thinking to yourself, well, how exactly is it that they want me to sweep the floor with just get out my handkerchief and kind of, you know, scoot things along with my shoe or something like that? And I think sometimes uh, that's a bit how we can feel as Christians. We can feel as though we've been given a task, a task of ministry, a task of mission, and yet we, we can feel as though we've been left uh, unequipped or untrained for that mission. The mission of the church is to make Jesus known, to show people the surpassing greatness and the surpassing glory of Christ. And that can seem like an overwhelming task. And yet... God has poured out his Holy Spirit on us for the very purpose of equipping us for that mission and ministry. 
We come to the end this morning of our series on the Holy Spirit. Next week we're going to go uh, back, Lord willing, to uh, Genesis to pick up where we left off at the beginning of the year. But we're finishing this morning by looking at... uh, we're finishing looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit by thinking about the role of the Spirit in making the gospel known. We saw uh, that as we went through the book of Acts. For those who were here a few months ago, we went through the book of Acts and we saw some of the ways that the Spirit makes the gospel known and glorifies Christ. But I think it will be helpful just as we finish this series on the work of the Holy Spirit this morning to think about that role and that task a bit more systematically. The first thing to say then is I think that absolutely central to the work of the Holy Spirit is that task, that role of glorifying Jesus by making him known. So Jesus says to his disciples in John 15, which we just read, when the counsellor comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And he says in John 16, He that is the Spirit will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. So too in John 14, Jesus says, But the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus by taking Jesus' words and reminding uh, the disciples of them so that they will testify about Jesus. J.I. Packer famously described the Spirit's ministry as a floodlight ministry. Floodlights on a building at night done well don't draw attention to the lights but to the building. Their aim is to show the building in all its glory. And if you walk past the building and you go, wow, they are cracking lights. You've kind of missed the point. I mean, I guess at one point, you know, you can look at the lights and go, wow, that's a, that's a really well done task. But the point is, you see, to catch a glimpse of the glory of the building. And in the same way, the ministry of the Spirit is not to draw attention to himself, but to reveal Christ to the world and to make Christ known in all his glory and in all his loveliness. Central to the Spirit's role is to make Jesus known. And any understanding that leaves out that task, that role of the Spirit, distorts the Spirit's ministry. So we may not do that deliberately, but we might fall into that kind of pattern unintentionally. So we can pray that the Spirit would make us holy, but we sever that from the task that the Spirit has of glorifying Christ. And so we fail to see that our holiness is not an end in itself, but our holiness is designed to glorify Christ. So that people would see that we've been remade in the image of Christ. Or we might pray that the Spirit would equip us with with gifts, but not so that we can build up the church. We want the gifts so that we feel special or valuable or useful, or so that others think that we're valuable or useful. Or we can think that the role of the Spirit is to glorify our church, to make our church well-known, rather than to make Christ well-known to make our church honoured and esteemed rather than to make Christ honoured and esteemed. 
That is, we make the work of the Holy Spirit about us rather than about the glory of Christ. And when we do that, we distort the ministry of the Spirit. We fail to grasp his central role. The most precious thing that the Spirit can do is to glorify Christ by making him known. Jesus is the supreme treasure. People go on and on uh, about self-esteem, but what we desperately need is not a better vision of ourselves to think better of ourselves. What we need is a better vision of Christ. We need to know him and to love him and to know, to know his love and his power and his mercy. What good is there in the Spirit glorifying us instead of Christ? It's like somebody offering you all the treasure of the world and then you're saying, actually, you know what, I might just pass it up and have that 50-cent coin or that little, you know, that little piece of trash on the ground. The Spirit's role is to glorify Christ by making Christ known. There are a number of other ways, uh, there, sorry, there are a number of ways that the Spirit does that. We saw a few weeks ago that the Spirit does that by putting words in our mouths. He makes Christ known by empowering us to speak, giving us words to speak, giving us opportunities to speak about Jesus. I'm not going to say any more about that now. If you want to follow up uh, on that, you can track down the sermon from a few weeks ago uh, on the website on the Spirit Who Speaks. But please don't lose sight of that fact that one of the key roles, one of the key ways that the Spirit makes Christ known is by putting words in our mouths. But I want to focus this morning on another aspect of the Spirit's role in evangelism and mission, and that is that the Spirit also glorifies Christ by sending people to testify about Christ. The Spirit glorifies Christ by sending people, raising up and sending people to go and testify about Christ. So throughout Acts and the rest of the New Testament, we often see the Spirit do that, raising people up and prompting the church to send people out for the work of mission. In Acts 4.31, the Spirit fills the believers and they go on to speak the Word of God with boldness. Again, you'll find uh, some of these Bible references in the leaflet. Uh, in Acts 8.29, the Spirit directs Philip into an encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts 10, the Spirit directs Peter into an encounter with the Gentile Cornelius. In Acts 13, the Spirit directs the church to set aside men for mission work. Luke writes, In the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. The Spirit raises people up to be sent to make the gospel known. And one of the most encouraging things I think that God has done through his Holy Spirit in this church is to raise up people for mission. So there's people like Graham and Linda who are in South Sudan or Quentin and Ashley 
who are preparing to go into the mission field. Michael and Sarah Loft went to the Northern Territory. Natalie has been to South Sudan. Susan Davies, Rachel Scott, Will and Elizabeth. And that's not including all the people who've joined us uh, from Worldview who've, who've come here already with a desire to go out into the mission field. And there are others who want to go back or want to go in the first place. Susan uh, Davies wants to go back. I think Kate wants to go, would love to go to the mission field. The Spirit raises up and sends people for the work of mission. Might God be calling you to that? I never expected to go into ministry. It was the last thing I ever, to do, ever wanted to do. That is, it was about the only thing in my life that I ever thought, I don't want to do that. That is the, thing, that is the one thing I don't want to do. I still remember as clear as day, sitting on the train in Sydney, crossing the Harbour Bridge, thinking, well, the last thing I ever want to do is go into ministry. That was in grade 11. Uh, it took a long time after that. It was a great sacrifice for me personally, as it is for so many people. I gave up a great career in engineering. I loved that. And it took God a long time to teach me to pray the prayer, take me where you want me to go to do what you want me to do in the way that you want me to do it. And it's easy, in fact, it's fascinating how easy it is to forget to keep praying that prayer. It's not a prayer that we pray once and then make a big life change, but it's actually a prayer that we pray every day. Lord, where do you want me to go? What is it that you want me to do? And how is it that you want me to do it? But God might also be calling you to stay. Going can sometimes be easier than staying. Going can be exciting. Staying can seem like hard work. Going means leaving behind problems, but also being ignorant of the problems that are on the other side. Going requires flexibility. Staying requires great patience and perseverance, which can often be the harder graces. It's hard to send people out too, isn't it? It's hard not to feel as though everybody who leaves the church leaves us impoverished. I remember the Sunday that we sent off Graham and Linda, or not long before Graham and Linda left anyway, and there was a Sunday school presentation, and I thought to myself, Linda is so fabulous with these Sunday school kids. That will be a huge vacuum when she goes. But we need to trust that the Holy Spirit who sends people out to build Jesus' church is the same Holy Spirit who's building Jesus' church here. The same Holy Spirit who's building the church over there is the same one building the church here. And we need to remember that the same Holy Spirit who's raising up and sending people to make Jesus known there is the same Holy Spirit who's raising up 
and sending people to make Jesus known here, to make the gospel known in this church and outside it. Paul says to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 that it's the Holy Spirit who's made them overseers of the church. That is, the Holy Spirit not only sends people out into the mission field, he sends people to the church to glorify Jesus in the church and to make Jesus known in the church and in the the world. The Holy Spirit is raising up new elders and preserving old ones. The Holy Spirit is raising up people to make the gospel known to our children and to children in the community. The Holy Spirit is raising up people for youth work. The Holy Spirit is raising up people to read the Bible one-on-one and to pray with people. Why is the Spirit doing that? He's doing it to glorify Jesus by making Jesus known. But strangely, the Spirit not only sends people to some places, he also keeps them from places. In Acts 16, Luke tells us that Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That is, they, they wanted to go there, but the Holy Spirit actually kept them back from going. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had, God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We might have great plans uh, on what to do and where to go, but the Holy Spirit may have other plans on where he wants us to go. We might spend years trying to send someone to one place and and doing that faithfully and prayerfully, but we might spend years kind of raising up and equipping someone to go to some particular mission field only to discover that that's not going to work out in the end, that the Holy Spirit has other plans, that it's best for them to stay. Or we might spend years training somebody up for some ministry in the church only to discover at the last moment that actually they should go to, to some particular field outside of our context. Discerning what to do and what not to do is not always easy. People often talk about uh, open and closed doors. But it's not as simple as saying, if you go there and it works, it must be right, and if you go there and it doesn't work, it must be wrong. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, A great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. It's an open door for gospel ministry, but there's fierce fierce opposition to his ministry. I don't know if most of us would consider that an open door. I think we'd probably consider that a closed door. Well, Paul says in Acts 20, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. The Spirit was sending him, but that didn't mean that it was going to be smooth sailing once he got there. Or in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, 
and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. There was a door for open ministry, but when he got there, he decided it wasn't actually the place to be because he thought to himself that Titus was important to his ministry. And so he moved on. An open door for ministry doesn't always mean that it's the best place for us to be. What we need to do is to pray and to use the wisdom that God has given us to make decisions based on the information that he's given us and we need to trust that God will achieve his purposes through our decisions. The Spirit raises up and sends people for ministry and we need to be responsive to that But there's no secret recipe except for wisdom and prayer. Sometimes God is calling us to battle through. Other times God is calling us to pull up stumps and to go somewhere else. The Spirit's role is to glorify Christ by making Christ known. The Spirit does that by putting words in our mouth, but also by equipping and sending people to testify about Jesus But finally, the Spirit also glorifies Christ by calling and compelling people to come to Christ. So Jesus says in John 16, which we read before, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus and the Father have sent the Spirit to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. That is, to convict the world of their sin, of their empty righteousness, and of their uh, false judgment concerning Jesus Christ which is another way of saying, really, that the Spirit will convict the world of their need of Jesus. Paul says something similar in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The conviction here is a different kind of conviction. It's not kind of the uh, legal or accusing conviction, but it's the conviction of certainty. The words of the gospel came with power and conviction to believe. Not their own power or their own conviction, but the Spirit's power and the Spirit's conviction. Their turning to Christ and receiving the gospel ultimately wasn't their work, but it was the work of the Spirit, convicting, compelling and drawing them because God had chosen them before the creation of the world. Earlier in, John, uh, in John's Gospel, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. No one can come to the Son unless the Father draws them, and the Father draws people to the Son 
through the Spirit. And when the Spirit draws people, they come. Not as a kind of a brutal, uh, you know, gun at the head, uh, knife at the throat, kind of an arm twisting. But the Spirit draws and compels people more like the wooing of a lover. Why is that important? It's important because it means that the job of converting people is not our job, but God's. We're just messengers. God sends us, God speaks through us, but it's the Spirit who calls people and compels them to come to Christ. That's a tremendous relief, I think. It means that we can try our hardest and it means that we can pray and it means that we can trust God to do his will. God might hold us accountable for not going and God might hold us accountable for not speaking but he won't hold us accountable for not converting. The role of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus by making him known. He does that by putting words in our mouths, but also by raising up and sending people to make Jesus known and by calling and compelling people to come to Christ. Well, it's been a bit of a whirlwind tour through uh, the Holy Spirit, if you can call six weeks uh, a whirlwind, but... We began six weeks ago by acknowledging that we often fall into one of two traps with the work of the Spirit. We either overemphasize or underemphasize the work of the Spirit. Uh, and I hope that this series has helped us to get the balance right. But I hope that it's also helped us to not only to understand the work and the person of the Holy Spirit better, but understanding it better, to love and to seek the work of the Spirit more to love and to seek that Christ-glorifying work of the Spirit uh, more than we do. Some of the last words in the Bible are words of the Spirit and of Jesus speaking together. And it seems like a fitting place to end the series and to end this sermon by finishing with those words. It's an invitation from the Spirit and Jesus to embrace the good news of the Gospel through Jesus Christ. The words are from Revelation 22. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, when Jesus left this earth to return to you, that he did not leave us as orphans, but that through him you sent the Spirit to us to remind uh, us of everything that you said through him uh, and to glorify Jesus and to make him known. Uh, Lord, thank you that many of us have heard the good news about Jesus Christ of forgiveness and salvation through him. 
Lord, thank you that he has been glorified in our hearing, but Lord, also glorified in our receiving the truth about him and believing in him uh, and putting our trust in him. Lord, we pray that through your spirit you would glorify Christ in many others coming to know him. Lord, we pray for our friends and our family who don't know Christ. Lord, we pray for our colleagues. Lord, we pray for those that we meet uh, in our neighbourhoods. Lord, we pray for those that we do not know. Lord, we ask that the Spirit would work so powerfully among us uh, and even apart from us that the gospel uh, would go out that Christ would be known and that he would be glorified. Lord, we ask that you would help us to play our part that you've called us to play, uh, but also to trust, Lord, that this work is your work uh, and that you are the one who draws and saves uh, for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.